gentlemen, welcome to the AC Podcast. My name is Troy, and I am your host for today's episode. I got a few things I want to let you know of that we got coming up that I'm super excited to talk about. Coming up first on September 20th and the 21st, as you've heard us talk about it a few times, the AC Conference is heading to Saskatchewan at Briarcrest College and Seminary. Our conference is called Why Trust the Bible. The Bible is the most important book of the last two millennia. From sitting at the formation of governments, cultures, and law, this collection of ancient documents has shaped the modern world in ways you may never have realized. However, while the Bible's influence has remained, central attitudes toward it have radically shifted. Once referred to as the good book, many view the Bible with skepticism or downright distaste. So Apologetics Canada, in partnership with Briarcrest College and Seminary, is proud to host the Why Trust the Bible Apologetics Canada Conference. Join us this September to take a closer look at the reliability, relevance, and truth claims concerning the most printed, published, translated, and circulated book in the world, the Bible. So head to ApologeticsCanada.com slash conference23-sk-fall forward slash. Or to keep it simpler, ApologeticsCanada.com slash events. And you can go from there. On October 27th to the 29th, the Leadership Summit in BC is back. The Leadership Summit seeks to bring together aspiring Christian leaders from across the West Coast for an incredible weekend of networking and equipping. This is an opportunity for young professionals and student leaders aged 19 to 30 to meet one another and grow together as Christian leaders. In the past, we've covered topics such as what is a thought leader and how can I become one? What does sacrificial leadership look like? What's the relationship between leadership and community? So join us in the beauty of BC's coastal mountains where you can enjoy fellowship and growth at Sasquatch Mountain Resort. It is going to be an incredible time and I cannot wait to meet each and every one of you. So once again, October 27th to the 29th, Sasquatch Mountain, B.C. Right now, you can head to ApologeticsCanada.com slash leadership-summit-bc forward slash to apply. It is an application process and spots will fill up quickly, so make sure you get right on it. And now to today's episode, spiritual but not religious. Depending on where you live, if you ask people what the religious affiliation is, you will likely hear something like, I'm spiritual but not religious. There's a lot to unpack in this simple of a statement. But why is this stance becoming more popular? What is religion anyway? Is spiritual but not religious ultimately a cult of self-worship? Or is there something else going on? Andy, Steve, and Troy discuss these questions and more on this week's edition of the AC Podcast. So that's all from me. Enjoy the episode. I'm out of here. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the AC Podcast. My name is Troy. I'm here today with Andy and Steve. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Good, man. Good to be with you. Great. I, I gotta, I gotta say something, Troy. <laughs> you and I had a leadership summit barbecue yes, uh, just this week, and somebody called you out, man. They saw you wearing the Bass Pro Shops hat, which you have the on disrespect today, man. And I was killing myself laughing because they looked at you and they said, "So, are, so are you a, a fisherman?" Yeah. So, so have you ever caught one? <laughs> <laughs> the disrespect is crazy, guys. Yes. So let it be known. This will be forever immortalized on the AC podcast. While I have never caught a bass, I have caught numbers of fish. I have gone fishing in Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and BC and caught fish in all of these provinces. So thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> so would you say you've earned the right to wear 
the Bass 1, Pro thousand percent, one thousand <laughs> percent. No, I may not be the Bass Pro or a Bass Pro, but I can wear a hat that promotes catching fish because I have caught them, and also, I am also a fisher of men. So that's got to count for something. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you to everyone, as Andy said, who came to the Leadership Summit barbecue, except for the one who called me out on my Bass Pro. You, I'm just kidding. No, we we love you guys so much. We really appreciate you guys coming. We had a really good time and uh, it was good catching up with with so many of of you. You know, that's kind of a a good segue, I think. Troy, being a a fisher of, of men, you know, thinking it just about, you know, take, you know, you, you, you took it spiritual, which I appreciate, right? Hallelujah. And, uh, and that's kind of the topic that we want to get into in some ways, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, today we're, we're, yeah. we're discussing this phrase or just the ramifications of this phrase and everything that, that snowballs from it. I'm spiritual, but not religious. Now, that's a very loaded statement, as we found just as we were chatting before the podca- podcast, that there's so much to that. But what does it actually mean? And, and Steve, this was actually a topic that you brought up for us today that you wanted us to, to discuss. So when you hear that phrase, yeah. what happens to you? <laughs> well, the first thing that comes to my mind is the word religion, right? I know in Christian circles, especially you know, Protestant evangelical kind of circles, there is the cliche that, oh, you know, Christianity is not a religion, but it's a relationship, right? Even in that kind of a statement, it says a lot about what we think of the word religion and how much it has changed, because it actually used to be a good thing for you to be called a religious person, Mm-hmm. Right, it said something about your moral character and your personal ethical standards and all those kinds of things. But today, when you say, when you, you know, hear the phrase, "you're a religious person," it's totally negative. Yeah, it's pejorative mm-hmm. today, in today's yeah. context. But don't you think though that there's something to that though, people? And maybe it's about a how you're defining religion, but also just how it's been mm-hmm. abused in culture. And I think there's a lot of people just want to disassociate from that that negative aspect of what's gone on. Yeah, there there's definitely a lot of truth to that because I mean, think about cliches in general, right? The reason cliches are cliches is because, well, it, there's an element of truth in it. It's just mm-hmm. that it's been overused, but that doesn't mean that the truth of it goes away. Um, and we have seen lots of, shall we say, evil that has come out of religion, is specifically organized religion, I would say. Um, but again, you're right, Andy, it, it depends on how you define the word religion or even organized religion and what what is all of this. Well, for this show, I, I did a little bit of poking around and on defining of religion. And I was actually kind of shocked that depending upon where you look, it, it's pretty broadly defined yeah. in different ways. Some mm-hmm. places I saw, you know, that it was about worshiping a superhuman, uh, you know, and other places it's about veneration and about what you, mm-hmm. what you deem as holy. And it's interesting. Like it's kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a notoriously difficult concept to define. I mean, because you can, you can define it in terms of the community. You can define it in terms of the organization that it's affiliated with, or you can define it in terms of, like you mentioned, what you consider to be sacred, or you can 
define it in terms of the rites and the rituals or any combination thereof, right? So it's, it gets pretty complex pretty quickly. But I have found Greg Kokel's uh, definition of it pretty like intuitive and straightforward, which is religion really is a take on reality. Mm. And that's what it is, right? Christians have a take on their take on reality. Buddhism has its take on reality. Islam has a take on reality. They're ultimately all making a claim about this is what reality actually is. However else you define religion, I find that that is at the sort of the core, if you will. Well, I have a question for you guys, because as, as you hear that phrase, it makes me wonder is why are people okay with this idea of being a spiritual being, as in more than a just mm -hmm. flesh and blood, but have an issue with then attributing that spiritual being to something that they should submit to? Mm. You know, I think, I think it's a good question, Troy, that's kind of at the heart of a lot of what's been going on. Because maybe just even to back up a little bit to what Steve was saying as giving more of a general overview of religion, I think Kokel and others want to do that rightly because they want to throw a wider net that says to the atheist, for example, uh, I know you think you're not religious, but in fact, you are religious. And mm. even with what we're seeing right now with LGBTQ and, and other stuff, it's very religious, right? Yeah. And so... I think this is an important distinction that we're trying to make right now because we're we're trying to say, hey, I, I know you think you're secular and that you're not participating in some sort of religion, but you are. And yeah. we we need to be more honest about that. And kind of coming into what you're asking, though, Troy, is now I think in some ways people do understand that in that they they've been kind of lumped into a very materialistic, and by that I mean naturalistic, physical view of the universe that has been lacking mystery, if you will, meaning, significance, purpose. And it's in many ways, I think, a reaction against that sort of cultural milieu that people have been brought in and this this desire for something more, something, something meaningful in it. So the question you're raising, Troy, I, I love it because it gets at something really important. I think this sort of, I'm not religious, I'm just spiritual, is is kind of a reaction in two different ways. One is what Andy just mentioned about how this purely physicalist view of the world, where the supernatural is denied, I think it's lacking because it just doesn't match up with our experience. And, and it, it forces you to reject all of the things that you really value and cherish, like love, for example. What is love in a purely physicalist world? It's Maybe just chemical reaction, right? <laughs> no more, right? Um, so I think, um, you know, from my perspective as a Christian, I think we are more than just physical beings. Mm -hmm. And so any view that denies the the immaterial things, I think will be lacking. And I think people are reacting to that. But in uh, secondly, I think people are reacting to this sort of modernist view, this emphasis on the physical, the objective, right? This sort of dismissal of the subjective. You Because with physical things, everybody can take a look at it, right? And there's an objective reality to it, and that's all they focused on. The problem is with this sort of spiritual side of things, the pendulum swings and you go from 
focusing solely on the objective, now all you have to trust is yourself and your experiences, mm-hmm. right? So you kind of swing. So I think there's a bit of a reaction happening there. But I want to I want to push on that, or not push back, mm-hmm. Steve, but kind of maybe dig a little deeper there, because I think this is an important mm-hmm. idea to appreciate of, of maybe even a distinction with regards to religion. Because I, I would argue, and I think this is sometimes why Christians want to juxtapose themselves to religion is religion i think has a lot to do with the human desire to control to 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 have control over their reality and and i think that that's one of the appeals of atheism to be quite honest is if it's just purely physical then that gives me a large level of control right and uh, of my of my surroundings, but also pendulum swing all the way over into spiritual. I still have large amounts of control because I'm the one that's trying that I'm manipulating, you know, the spiritual dimension sort of idea. Yeah. I can man- manipulate the physical dimension or I can manipulate the spiritual dimension. Christianity doesn't give you either of those. Mm-hmm. Like, the, and that's where Christianity is, is really quite unique is because it's not about you. It's not about what you've done. It's about it's, it's about who God is, and it's about what He's done for you sort of idea. Mm-hmm. And that makes people really mm-hmm. uncomfortable. Yeah. It, yeah. Th- this conversation makes me, like, think about Galatians 5, you know, when Paul's talking about the desires of the, the flesh and the desires of the Spirit. You know, in 16, he says, by, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. And it's and I and I bring this up because sometimes when I hear a person talking about them being spiritual but not religious in the pursuit of their spiritual growth yeah. and desires, because your flesh is is this, is pulling you away from community and that is actually going against what scripture is asking of you mm-hmm. and so you're actually contradicting yourself the moment you say oh i'm spiritual but not religious but then you look at the way the bible looks at true religion and it's mm-hmm. it's not one that separates you from the body of christ you know it just to clarify uh, in case somebody is tuning in and you know, you're not very familiar with the sort of the Christian lingo, if you will. When we're talking about flesh here, we're not. Troy is using it, and he's using Paul's language, where he's referring to the flesh not as sort of our our bodies per se, but it's talking about the what we would call our sinful nature, right? So we're not dismissing the importance and the goodness of the body, just so we're clear. <laughs> um, but I, I. I love where you're going with this, Troy, because when people say, I'm spiritual but not religious, what they're rejecting is organized religion, right? This sort of institutionalized religion. Mm-hmm. Um, so organized religion is really, in it's any kind of, the, the dictionary definition is a structure system of faith and worship. I just got to say something there, uh, Steve. Yeah, I yeah, looked yeah. at many definitions today about religion. I never came across that one. And I looked at different dictionaries. So again, I'm just trying to say, dude, it depends upon which dictionary you're reading from. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And this is specifically organized religion. Okay. Okay. That's the part. Okay. Yeah. So so I didn't didn't do that parameter. I was just broadly looking at definitions of religion. That's true. Because, I mean, it's true, though, because religion 
per se, can sometimes be conflated with organized religion, right? Because when people hear the word religion, they typically think of things like Christianity and the church, Islam and the mosque, you know, that sort of a thing. Uh, Organized religion specifically is like a structured system of some sort. And people are uncomfortable with that these days, right? Because we have this sort of postmodern hermeneutic of suspicion. And so Mm. anything that has this semblance of authority and tradition that's passed down, you want to question it. You want to, and so then that's where deconstruction comes in, right? Mm -hmm. Those kinds of things. I mean, at the end of the day, all that to say, organized religion, especially if you're a Christian, is really nothing to be afraid of, right? Mm -hmm. It's not a bad thing in and of itself, is all I'm saying. Well, let me let me push there real quick. Uh, yeah. I there's a part of me though that says, when you say "don't be afraid," I think, wait a minute, you should always be cautious because mm-hmm. you you got broke. You're dealing with broken people, and so yeah. you should you right. should have your radar up, going, "Hey, is it is this a healthy church or a healthy situation or unhealthy?" So I. I say this a lot. I'm going to bring it up again. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, follow after me as I follow after Christ. And yeah. this, I think, is an mm-hmm. important distinction because Paul's saying, this is about Jesus. And if you're going someplace or you're interacting with somebody and they've made Christianity about them, right? Yeah, you need to abandon ship because now we're off into cults and other things, man. Like, you got to be, you got to be cautious. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Because the downside of organized religion is that the institution can become the religion, right? So Jehovah's Witnesses, for example, they're all about the Watchtower Society, you know, that sort of thing. So I I agree with you. There is definitely fallen humans doing fallen things. When that's institutionalized, it's going to cause chaos and disaster. Yeah, I I find that organized religion, at its worst, is just idolatry in its purest form, right? I, I just think about the Israelites and the first instructions that were given, you know, you will have no other gods before me. That was the precedent Mm -hmm. of our organized religion. When Moses, their leader, went to the mountain to speak to the Lord, what did they do? They're like, we've been abandoned. We've been lost. I think at the core of, of unchecked organized religion is idolatry. It's a good point. It's a place I wanted to go to, Troy, because when Moses went up to the mountain and he's gone a while, what do they do? They're like, we need something to worship, right? We need, we to, need, make, something to, worship. We need to make the golden calf, right? And a question I was going to throw to you guys is, why do you think Israel did that? Why, why did they choose to make, you know, to burn their, to, sorry, to melt their jewelry down and make a golden calf to worship? I look at it historically. From the time that Israel was established, they wanted a king at, by any means necessary. You look at 1 Samuel, we want a king, we want a king like the other nations have. And God, through Samuel, tells them, this is what a king is going to do. This is what leaders will do. They will manipulate, they will take advantage, they will pillage and plunder and do all these things for the sake of themselves. They'll tax your farms that you have worked and take it for themselves. That's okay. We want a king anyway. (laughs) And so then you fast forward to outside of Egypt in the wilderness. I believe they did it because they wanted, like we've been saying before, to take power into their own hands. They want, they believe that they could govern themselves. And so while I think we see a golden calf, you might as well have put a person there 
that represented Israel because they were ultimately worshiping themselves. Yeah. You know, as I've thought about this too, Troy, that, that's, that, that's where I've come to on this. A golden calf might seem silly, and it is, and, and Paul challenges that. Why, you know, of course, why would you worship the created rather than the creator? But people like that because mm-hmm. it gives them a level of control. At some level, they now have more control in their fate that they can do something. People, I've noticed people like two things. They like to be told what to do, and they like to be able to be in control. Uh, and and again, uh, Christianity doesn't really offer you those those things yeah. uh, where it, it you, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. A, you're yeah. not in control, but also it's not like the Bible is some sort of manual on life. Like, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. It's like, life's messy. Mm-hmm. There is no, there's no manual uh, yeah. for marriage. There's no manual for parenting. You know, life, life is about walking with God through, through that mess. And, and, mm-hmm. and I think sometimes people are playing off of, I'm not religious in the Christian circles. Cause they're like, I understand that I'm in a relationship with God. I'm not trying to follow a bunch of rules. I'm trying to walk with the Lord through the messiness of life. Uh, I'd like to push back a little bit. I don't think it's necessarily, I'm not contradicting necessarily what you're saying, but there is an aspect of organized religion that actually takes control away from you because an organized religion says, okay, this is the way we're going to do things. And this is what we believe. And an individual can't just go off on his or her own saying, no, this is this is what I believe, right? And often when I say especially certain parachurch organizations, um, it makes me nervous when people who work for this parachurch organization, they're not connected to a local church. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. then agree. they can come up with whatever doctrine that they want whenever yep. they feel like it and they can so there is that tension. On the one hand, yes, it's about control. It's something that you can see and feel and mold in your own likeness, idolatry, on the one hand. On the other hand, it it actually keeps you from straying. Mm -hmm. So I think there's two things happening at once here. Yeah. Just quickly, I I think what you're getting at there, Steve, is I think people who, let me be fair in saying this is not always the case, but I, I have seen in conversations with a lot of people is they've had a bad experience in a church. It mm-hmm. like church hurt has played a role where someone in leadership manipulated their manipulated their authority or totally or there was unmet expectations or unrealistic expectations. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be like this. God talks to all of us. Why doesn't why doesn't my opinion matter? And I think there there can be this tension, like you're saying, that comes back to accountability almost. If I'm being asked to be held accountable, I think it's fair. Yeah. I think it's fair for an individual attending a church to ask, well, who is my pastor accountable to? And mm-hmm. sometimes when we hear, well, he's just accountable to God, to be honest, for a lot of people, that is not enough, you know, and let's be and let's be real. I mean, I'm gr- I'm grateful that my pastor is accountable to his lead pastors, even if they're in another country, they will have conversations with them. And there's a level of accountability between him and our elders and and these conversations happen. And ultimately, yes, certain things come down to whoever, whatever our pastor has been given the freedom to decide the direction we're going, but that hasn't been done without wise counsel. Yeah, I think this starts to get into the complicated nature of being in a community. Mm -hmm. And that's what the church is. It is a 
call and a commitment to family, the family yeah. of God. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, like any family, you're going to get hurt and you're going to have challenges. And the question is, though, uh, am I am I committed to the community, uh, even in the midst of the hurt? And yeah. I think that with regards to church, and Steve, I'm glad you brought this up. This is something where if you work with Apologetics Canada, that's part of our core values. You need to be committed in attending a community yeah. that we call the church, you know, yeah. community of God that's following after God, that's loving, loving God, loving people. Now, of course, that can look different in different settings. Steve goes to a different denomination than I do, and so does Troy, and so does Wes. <laughs> We're actually all in different, yeah. different denominations. Uh, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, I actually think, and that gets into a different conversation with regards to denominations, and I'm quite happy with denominations because I think they reflect the multiplicity of different ways that people worship, but yeah. there's a commitment to that core doctrine of what it, what it means to be a, a Christ follower. Now, yeah. also, by the way, anybody who works with us, our adjunct speakers, that's also a commitment we hold them to. If somebody... If somebody wants to again not just work with us but like work with mm-hmm. us more broadly if they're not committed to a church we're not we're not working with them uh cuz that is, again that is a core value of what we're doing and I'm, I'm glad you brought it up Steve because that's what this is all about uh mm-hmm. is is the church we often will say at AC mm-hmm. that the church is God's plan A and there is no plan B yeah and so we have, we walk a fine line because all of us here aren't huge fans of parachurch organizations. We're a fan of the church, and yeah. we exist to help the church. But that raises this question that we have to wrestle with, and that is, am I committed to a church? Am, am, am I committed to a church? And if, when I get hurt in a church, or if a church is going off track, that might mean you need to change communities. Uh, like like yeah. that's, a, that's a real thing. But yep. mm-hmm. sadly, there's some though that get hurt, and it happens with their own family. They get, you know, they get into an argument, and then they pull the ripcord. They're out. They get into an mm-hmm. argument at church, and they're out, sort of thing. I think that's what that's what you're getting at, Andy. Is so important. It's like, what is your goal? Like, what are you what are you at church for? Like, why are you there? Mm-hmm. Because if it is just a social connection. Then, quite honestly, I'm not going to fight you trying to get you to stay. Well, Troy, we could call the it the idolatry of church. You yeah. could easily go to church and make church all about you. A hundred percent, a hundred percent, and I think that's where, yeah, people are just running out of the church in droves because they don't like their friend group anymore. Like they've treated church like a chat group where every now where it's just memes and songs and hey, have you listened to this? And every now and again, we agree, but then when we don't agree, it. We have no desire to to make it work because it has nothing. It it has not gone past our own relationship and desires to hang out. I will yeah. say, by the way, that church is ingrained into the heart of the human soul, if you will. Mixing metaphors there, like in other words, you will seek out community. You will. You will do it, mm-hmm. whether it's your bowling league, your softball league, right? Your uh, your internet group, whatever, like, you know, whatever it might be. The question that you've got to ask yourself, though, is, uh, am I trying to seek out communities that put me in control 
and that are all about me? Or am I seeking out a community that is united, not through me, but through Christ, and that is a community in which we are seeking to love God and to love each other, and that this is a community that you know we are we're we're following Christ and learning from Him. In other words, church is good for you, and you need church. This is a, this is a way of speaking that oftentimes people don't don't talk about because. Christians will ask dumb questions all the time. Trust me, 20 years in ministry. I mean, how many times have we heard people say, does a Christian need to go to church? Yeah. There is a more, if you're asking, if you're raising that question, there is a more fundamental issue that we need to deal with. Uh, again, going back to what Troy was saying, you know, what are you attending the church for? Yeah. But that's, you're going to have to ask that question and that's going to reveal a lot about what you actually believe. Mm. Um, to pick up on what you were saying, though, Andy, I, I I think it's absolutely true that we're just communal beings. That's how God created us. And we're going to look for others that are like-minded, whether we want to or not. And I, and I think I see that paradox, if you will, I see that in a paradox for, say, people like New Age believers, right? So even though New Age sort of spirituality can be very mix and match, right? You pull a little from this religion, a little from that religion, you kind of create your own. But at the same time, new age believers, they band together based on that. So on the one hand, it's a very individualistic thing. But on the other hand, you can't help but try to belong to a group or a community. It's like people mm. who like to go to restaurants that are buffets, right? <laughs> <laughs> they like what they like man but that actually unifies them that they like to go to a place where they can go pick out what they want and discard what they don't and honestly i would actually argue that this is progressive christianity it's just going to the christian buffet table you, you just take what you want get rid of what you don't and at the end of the day what do you got idolatry Bomb dropped. Bomb dropped. <laughs> you you know that I'm gonna I'm gonna like post comment this. You know why I added the bomb effect. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I remember uh, an interview that Sean McDowell did, and we talked about with a with a progressive church pastor. Mm, yeah. And Sean asked him, you know, with regards to his doctrine on the divinity of Jesus that he teaches or uh, whether or not Jesus rose from the dead, whether or not he teaches that on Easter. And I'll never forget what that pastor said. He said, well, it depends upon the, the Sunday. It depends upon the Easter. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, <laughs> that's idolatry, man, because that's all about yeah. you. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, As we're, we're kind of coming to a close here, guys, um, you know, the initial question or statement, I guess, was I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. Should we see this as a cop-out, or is that an oversimplification? I don't know that I would call it a cop-out, Troy. I would call it confused, because I, I, would, I would argue it's both. You're both. You're both spiritual and you're religious. The question is, is what kind of spiritual are you, and what kind of religion do you adhere to? Yeah, and I don't—that's a great point, because it's a false dichotomy to say— I'm spiritual, but not religious, as though if you're spiritual, you can't be religious. So that that's why you got to ask, well, what do you mean by religion? And chances are they're thinking of some kind of a, 
an organized thing, right? Like a system of belief mm-hmm. and faith and practice, those kinds of things. And well, let me throw it back at you guys, though. Like Christians will often say that they're not religious, and really what they're getting at is that Christianity is about a relationship, not a list of right. do's and don'ts. Right. What it's do you a, think about that? It's a relationship. That? It's a relationship, not a religion. Right. I think that's a very, a very milk approach to evangelism because that's where I've seen it used the most. That that phrasing. I'm, you know, th- no. This this is about a relationship, not a religion. Well, no, this actually is a religion, and we have a. I think we have a an amazing opportunity to display what true religion is according to the scripture, according to the gospel. It is one that adheres to the scriptures. It is one that worships Christ and Christ alone and does not forsake the gathering of the saints, but it's one rooted in repentance and reconciliation all the way through. And I think if we miss those parameters, then we're not doing doing anyone any favors when it comes to their initial views of religion. I I, I don't want to circle back too much here, but I think the pushback, though, Troy, people would have is if you're living in a culture where religion is being defined in a specific way, I feel like I can appreciate why somebody doesn't want to associate with that word because it's not the way they're defining it. Notice you differentiated. You said true religion. That and, is and, true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I I think when people say Christians say, you know, Christianity is a relationship, not a religion, what people often have in mind is Pharisees, right? Who were so much about the the rules of, you know, the list of do's and don'ts that they forgot the spirit of it. And that's why Jesus often you know butted heads against the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious elites of his day, um, because, okay, so you're upset that my disciples didn't wash their hands. In the meantime, you, you know, you have all this malice and greed in your heart, and that's what makes you, uh, makes you defiled. So I, I can appreciate that side of things, where that, that focus on relationship is in reaction to that list of do's and don'ts that forgot the spirit of these do's and don'ts. Like you often say, right, Andy, that God is not a God of rules. He is a God of love. And that's where the rules come from, that, yeah. that there is love behind these things. The foundation so you can't forget is love, the love, not rules. Right. Well, that is what you know. true religion is. And ultimately, you see this idea of what it, what it looks like to love God and to love people. And then you see in the Bible different examples of how that gets played out. It is complex. It is complex. And that's the beauty of community. Man, I I, I don't know where I would be without my church community. There are times where I thought I've had it all figured out. And then I learned real quickly that I didn't. And so do not forsake the gathering of the saints. Let's walk together. Let's let's war together. Let's uh, converse together. But thank you so much for listening to the AC Podcast. This is a ministry of Apologetics Canada. Make sure to like and subscribe on all your favorite streaming platforms and on YouTube. But join us next week as we find more things to think about. You know the drill. Love God. Love people. Bye for now.